It is often served as an accompaniment to hot drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Hot drinks and a nice biscuit. (laughs) Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike through Wikipedia. I am Sky. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. And if you haven't listened to us before, what we do is we play the Wikipedia game where I have come up with two pages on Wikipedia, and these guys are going to start at one and try to get to the other by only clicking links within the pages. And today, you guys are going from Mary Edwards Walker to Waffles. <laughs> That's very, uh very hardcore way of saying it all. Yep. So Sky. <laughs> that's the game. Mary Edwards Walker is a cool woman. Waffles like. are a cool food. Uh, and to determine who gets to go first, I have a very short game for you guys. We are going to, you guys are going to send me a message here telling me how many, okay, first off, back up. What do you call the holes in waffles? What do you call the divots? Are they divots? Are they, are they dimples? Are they pockets? I was, are they well? Waffles don't have holes. Are they do I have to, honeycombs? Do I have to like? Do I have to send this in a message? No, 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 no. There's. I was actually going to have that be like the thing, like the one that gets closest to the real answer wins. There's they're not called. There's not a real answer. Oh, oh, okay. I, I was going to say I thought they were called crannies. There's cranny. Yeah, crannies is acceptable. No, but that's, like, that's only English muffins. There's no oh. official. <laughs> yeah. There's no official uh, ruling on it. From Wait, from so my research. Belgian. There's not like a the, like a like we have for the metric, like uh, you have like the the standard metric whatever. Like they actually do have the thing that's the metric, the gram. There's not like a, no an official Belgian waffle somewhere under right. under a glass dome or something like that in a pressure, you know, a pressurized case. Nah, I think it's just a lot more colloquial than that. Apparently, <laughs> you just call them mm-hmm. whatever you want. I'm disappointed, but I feel like there should be, is what all I'm going to say. Yep. Anyway, you guys are going to tell me, you're going to send me a message and guess how many of these objects on a wa- that are on the standard home-style Eggo waffle that you can buy in the store. Sky, I thought no I just images, asked you. No image search. <laughs> you did just oh. ask me. But Eggo, I'm sorry. The egg, the frozen eggo waffle is not the standard. This is you know, a, it is standardized, but it is not the standard. <laughs> that's fair. You know what? That's fair. This counts all shapes and sizes of dimples, pockets, whatever you want to call them. Like, if even if there's like a little sliver of one, like that counts as one. It's not like it's not like a whole. It's not like those make up like one whole square. It's each of those count as one. Okay. All right. Hmm. Send me your answers. Hmm. Tim's already hmm. sent me his. It's Tim! Uh, well, I, I get down to business. Uh, Let's go with that. Tim says 64. Kyle Whoa. says 32. It is 36. Oh, oh yeah. what? Yep. Kyle gets to go Wait first. a minute. Tim, Wait. How large is the waffle? Not just one side or on both sides? Oh, just one side. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have to come up with a different game. Oh, no. Tim just broke this wide Tim, open. Tim he broke was... this waffle. Why do you think Why do you I... think our guesses were almost double each other? I was small brain. 
Tim was, Tim was big brain. <laughs> Tim was a galaxy, was galaxy brain. brain. Yeah. Because oh no, wait. Yeah, Tim. Tim, if you have his, that's thirty-two. Tim's yes. is thirty-two. You both answered the same. We said mm-hmm. the same thing. Oh no, Tim. Okay, go with me on this. Did yeah. you do it by just like trying to multiply? All right, counting it to like fours, where you're like, okay, four by four, it's probably this. And did you did you try to actually do the math? No, I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, Good. I was like, I bet there's like thirty two on one side, and I, then if I flip it over, it's another thirty two, and that's sixty four. I like that we both came at this from different directions, and we had the exact same answer. Oh my gosh, I'm just I'm going to make a really easy one that we can get through really quickly and be done with. Sounds it. good. That's how I do. All right. Next question. The Waffle House sells how many waffles every minute? Every minute? Yeah, like a minute. I guess I should say. Not every minute, but like this is an average. Like I was going to say on average? Because I mean like they got to close sometime, right? No, they're open 24 hours. No, Tim, the the sun never sets on the Waffle House Empire. (laughs) Oh um, my! Oh my! Let's! Oh, I gotta! You know what? Every minute, I'm doing it again. There's gotta be a lot of waffle houses, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, okay, you you went by your gut on the number of squares, but the number well, of waffle houses you're actually doing the math—is that what's happening here? Not really. All right. Oh, okay. Kyle says thirty-two. <laughs> I do. Tim says 650 waffles per minute. <laughs> it's 145. Oh. Wow. So Kyle I feel is like closer. I'm closer. Yep. Oh. Kyle wins by both proximity and prices right rules. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, my. Mary Edwards Walker is a it commonly referred to. Whoa. Hey, calm down, Wikipedia. Commonly referred to. As Dr. Mary Walker was an American abolitionist, prohibitionist, prisoner of war, and civil war surgeon. Holy cow. She was the only woman to ever receive the Medal of Honor. Say, hey, Sky, uh, is this woman featured in that book of cool women that you got for your baby? Maybe. (laughs) Possibly. She sounds awesome. She's very neat. Uh, in 1855, she earned her medical degree at Syracuse, uh, married and started a medical practice. Oh, man, I didn't know you could marry your medical practice. Some people are married to their work, though. Uh, she volunteered with the Union Army at the outbreak of the American Civil War and served as a surgeon at a temporary hospital in Washington, D.C., even though at the time women and sectarian physicians were considered unfit for the Union Army Examining Board. She was captured by Confederate forces after crossing enemy lines to treat wounded civilians Whoa, whoa, uh-huh. and was arrested as a spy. Holy. Uh, she was sent as a prisoner of war to Richmond, Virginia, and went, until released in a prisoner exchange. Uh, after the war, she was approved to the highest uh, for the highest U.S. Armed Forces Decoration of Bravery, the Medal of Honor, for her efforts during the Civil War. She is the only woman to receive the medal. Yeah, that's what it says. And one of only eight civilians to receive it. Uh, her name is... Del- whoa, what? Hold on. Uh, her name was deleted from the Army Medal of Honor roll in 1917, along with 900 others. However, it was restored in 1977. Yeah, that seems like an oversight. Um, after the war, she was a writer and lecturer supporting the women's suffrage movement until her death in 1919. Oh, she didn't get... Well, it was 1921 when they got suffrage, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. Am I, 
Okay. Um, I hope I, uh, I, I hope she got to see it. I can't remember. Okay. Anyway, holy cow! She sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's wild. She's got a lot going on. Okay. She loved wearing suits. Yep. For health and purposes. She looks, she looks rad in them. Oh, oh my oh my gosh, she does. Yep. Check out this top hat. Yep. In 1871, she wrote, The greatest sorrows from which women suffer today are those are those physical, moral, and mental ones that are caused by their unhygienic manner of dressing. Exclamation point. What? She strongly opposed women's long skirts with numerous petticoats, <laughs> not only for their discomfort and their inhibition to the wearer's mobility, but for their collection and spread of dust and dirt. As a young woman, she began experimenting with various skin le- or skirt, length, skirt lengths and layers, all with men's trousers <laughs> underneath. By 1861, her typical ensemble included trousers with suspenders under the knee-length dress with a tight waist and full skirt. Holy cow. Her family actually encouraged this, but of course she was met with like criticism by other people. Uh, once while a school teacher, she was assaulted on the way home by a neighboring farmer and a group of boys who chased her and attacked her with eggs and other missiles. Female colleagues in medical school criticized her choices and patients often gawked at her and teased her. She never, she nevertheless persisted in her mission to reform women's dress. Mm. Uh, her view that women's dress should protect the person and allow freedom of motion and circulation and not make the wearer a slave to it made her, mm-hmm. made her commitment to dress form reform as great as her zeal for abolitionism. So yeah, it's, it's a thing. And you don't she really lived, know. She lived to the age of 86 She's proof through, through the Civil War. Was it the Civil? Yeah, yeah, Civil War. And oh, like, just basically, I mean, like eighty six. Back in the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen yeah. hundreds, apparently she was doing something right. Yeah, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I I checked it out and um. She was she died one year before the national right to vote uh was uh for women was uh was passed. Uh, that's uh, bad. But oh but she I mean she would have she must have just been her work must have been very uh influential in this happening. Cause I mean it happened a year after her writing, yeah. after, after she died. Like that's that's amazing. Sure. Uh I love did you did you check the notes about her wedding here? No, I didn't um, see that. Okay, so I'm going to gloss over some bits here, but uh, she married a fellow, fellow medical school student named Albert Miller on November 16th, 1855, shortly before she turned 23, which uh, she, like, 23, that's cool. Uh, Walker wore a short skirt with trousers underneath, refused to say obey in her vows, and retained her last name. All characteristic of her obstinate nonconformity. That's nice. inc- that's incredible. <laughs> um, I I I just want to point out that this is I I think I've told you guys before. Uh, you know, I, this is a like the the talking points that people make about. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. You you have to give them. You, I'm sorry about my grandparents or whatever. They're you know they're a product of their time. Yeah. This woman was from that time. And she was like, no. Yep. <laughs> so that's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I want to read everything about her now. Yeah, I'm sure there's um, a lot. Yeah, I'm going to have to look up this. Uh, I'm going to have to look up some biographies about her. For um, sure. 
Oh my goodness. Even when she died. Uh, <laughs> no, hold on. At the age of 86, she was buried at the Royal Cemetery in uh, Oswego, New York, in a plain funeral with an American flag draped over a casket. And she was wearing a black suit instead of a dress. She was buried in a suit. Oh, she's awesome. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Mm. Waffles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do I get from... Oh. Well, that note. Yeah, this mm. is... Nothing is popping out to me right now. I might have something, actually. Hang on one moment. All right. Oh, hey. Uh, if you want to hear... Uh, apparently, this is an episode I need to look up. Because down in the works about her, uh, the um, the episode of the Memory Palace podcast, uh, episode 76, oh, wow. uh, by Nate, Nate DeMeo, uh, Mary Walker would wear what she wanted. Uh, and that would that episode will probably make me cry because it's a very good podcast and it, it brings people from history to life in a way that you can't, that most people don't do. Nice. Yeah, I need to... <clears throat> I remember I I started listening to that like early on I think and I dropped off but I need to get back into it. Oh man, it's so good. You know what else is good? Yeah. Um, are these links? Actually, only like three of them. But but <laughs> I'm thinking of okay. So there are a couple ways that I could go here, and I'm wondering. I might have a line going by. Okay. Uh, President Jimmy Carter restored her medal posthumously in 1977. She was one of six people to regain the award um, down in the honors and awards. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Carter's linked. I think I'm going to click him. All right. James Jim- Earl Carter Jr. Got it. All right. Cool. Oof. That's, that's a name. That's a name. That's why you go by Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> Tim, <laughs> you, got a, you got anything? Wait a minute. What, what was chosen again? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Okay, I just just making sure because it's like you said other names and it was confusing me. Is his real mm-hmm. name James James Earl Carter? Junior. Yep, that he sounds, was the voice for CNN for a while. Yeah, it it sounds it almost sounds like an assassin too. Huh. Oh, and that's why you go by Jimmy. <laughs> yep, you're right, Scott. <laughs> so Jimmy Carter was also what I wanted to go with. So I need to find something else. Wrong oh quick. yeah, what well, is going to get me to waffles? <laughs> this is a question that we ask ourselves every day. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. I mean, it is a good question. Tim, do, do you I, remember? Do you remember? Do you do you know why I might have picked this for this game? Because there's the United States Army Reserve Center named for her in Walker, Michigan. Uh, I meant I meant waffles, <laughs> but yes, that's oh. very close to us. Um, no, we, we were at the mall yesterday, and we were, <laughs> we were in Macy's to get to the elevator. We walked past a waffle maker. And I was like, "Oh, waffle maker! I want a <laughs> oh, waffle maker." I remember maker. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I should do waffles for this game. <laughs> That's good. I think. Um, I think I'm going to go with. Um, yeah. So the Whitman Walker Clinic in Washington D.C. is named in honor of Walker and the poet Walt Whitman, who was a nurse in D.C. during the Civil War. I'm clicking on Walt Whitman because I bet that he's a man who loved waffles. Yeah. If, uh, um, mm, okay. I mean, he loved I everything. Mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he had some he had some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I, did I did I I don't remember. Did I told you? No, I did tell you guys. I, I messaged you guys today earlier today 
because the uh, my upstairs my upstairs neighbor was making uh was uh cooking some bacon and it smelled incredible oh yeah and it it was actually enough to like keep me in the house for a little while. i'm like uh i i just want to smell it so i just want to smell this bacon it smells so good okay so james earl yeah something james earl carter jr <laughs> I had to scroll back to the top of the page. He's an American politician who served as the 39th president of the United States from 1977 to 1981. He previously was the 76th governor of Georgia from 71 to 75. And uh, after two terms in the Georgia State Senate uh, earlier than that, he remained he has remained active in public life during his post-presidency. In 2002, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in co-founding the Carter Center. Um, so... Uh, I don't actually want to talk too much about Jimmy Carter. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I could. There's a lot on this page, and he's a dude who made some decisions. Uh, let's see. Um, I, what I came here for was the fact that he was raised as the as in a wealthy family of peanut farmers. Yeah, in the southern town of Plains in Georgia. Uh. But peanut farmers is not linked. What? Uh, what? There's nothing linked there about farming or peanuts. Yep, it mentions peanuts fourteen times on this page. None, None of, them of them are linked. linked. Yeah, I did the same thing. Ooh, wait, hold on. Uh, there's a grain embargo here. Ooh, that would at least get me to grains. Grain embargo. <laughs> yes. That's the most excited anyone has ever sounded <laughs> about a grain embargo. Oh, man. Uh, even in the... Oh, yeah. Because even in the early life here... Yeah. Um, do, do, do. Uh, born in 1924 at the, as the Y Sanitarium at a hospital where his mother was employed as, as a registered nurse. Eldest son uh, of Bessie and James Carter... And descend oh descendant of English immigrant Thomas Carter who settled in Virginia in 1635. Wow, they can trace their lineage Fancy. almost 300 years back, um, a whole 300. Um, numerous generations of Car Carters lived as cotton farmers in Georgia, did they? Now, hmm, 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 hmm. Um, Jeez, there's also the Future Farmers of America here. Oh. Um I am very determined to get to this. I don't know why to go to go through farming. I don't know why I am now, but like that is my That's what you're kinda yeah. This aim is, is what I'm this is this is the windmill I'm tilting at currently. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh jeez. Okay. I'm not seeing anything else to work with other than that. So I think I might I really don't want to go to the future farmers of America, but the grain embargo is going to be super boring. So I mean, <laughs> more boring. All right. Yeah. Future farmers of America. Future farmers here we go. Of America. <laughs> here we go. Here we are. Oh, there's an owl. This is sweet as hell. Holy cow. <laughs> Where's an owl? Their symbol is an owl standing on a plowshare with a rising red sun in the background. Why is there an owl? Uh, go on. I'll I'll, I'll try to I'm find out. Me. Go on. All right, Tim Walt Whitman. Uh, he has a huge Wikipedia Whoa. page. Oh, beard. Mm. Yep. 
So I am going to concentrate on uh, his book, Leaves of Grass. Um, let's see here. Whitman claimed that after years of competing for the usual rewards, he determined to become a poet. Uh, he experimented with a variety of popular literary genres, which appealed to the cultural tastes of the period. As early as 1850, he began writing what would become Leaves of Grass. Uh, he intended to write a distinctly American epic and used free verse with a cadence based on the Bible. Free At the end of June 1855, Whitman surprised his brothers with the already printed first edition of Leaves <laughs> of Grass. George, his brother, quote, didn't think it worth reading, unquote. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Whitman paid for the publication of Leaves of Grass himself, the first edition, and had it printed at a local print shop during their breaks from commercial jobs. Uh, no name is given as author. Instead, facing the title page was an engraved portrait done by Samuel Hollier. But 500 lines into the body of the text, he calls himself, quote, Walt Whitman, an American, one of the roughs, a cosmos, disorderly, fleshly and sensual, no sentimentalist, no stander above men or women apart or apart from them, no more modest than immodest. Unquote. Very good. That's a uh -huh. sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had, the man had a way with words. Um, um, let me see here. Do you know the only thing that I knew about that whole production thing? Uh, in my, the only thing that I remember learning about uh, Leaves of Grass it, when I read parts of it in my homeschool literatures, you know, because of course it was included because he's an old white man. Um, the uh, the only thing that I remember being included about his biography in the creation of that is that he did he did the printing himself on his own money and it was an example of how even artists can pull themselves up by their oh own my bootstraps. Gosh. No. That's yep. wow. Cuz you know basically the only thing that made this book popular what's that? He got the praise of Ralph Waldo Emerson. That's that's pretty good. The first edition of Leaves of Grass is widely distributed and stirred up significant interest in part due to Emerson's approval but was occasionally criticized for the seemingly obscene nature of the poetry yes geologist yeah. john peter leslie wrote to emerson <laughs> calling the book trashy profane and obscene and the author a pretentious ass <laughs> a few good. days after leaves of grass was published whitman's father died at the age of 65 oh, that's not good no um so let's see here uh, during the first publications of Leaves of Grass, Whitman had financial difficulties and was forced to work as a journalist again, uh, specifically with Brooklyn's Daily Times. Hmm. Surprisingly, he was against alcohol. Really? He liked being naked. Yeah, he liked being naked, didn't like alcohol. Yeah. Um. So, hey, uh, <laughs> do they mention... Hey, Kyle. I, I, in up? reference... I have a question yeah. in reference to all of this. And... I'm just curious because this is Wikipedia and we're in 2018. Uh, did they mention his uh, his the fact that he was romantically tied to like two or three dudes? Did they mention there this is... in the Wikipedia article? Yes. Yeah. There are five paragraphs on his sexuality. Yep. Awesome. Sorry. I'm just excited that one of us that we that we got some mention. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell me it's bad. It's going to be bad, isn't it? Though biographers continue to debate women's sexuality, he is oh, usually sure. described as either homosexual or bisexual in his feelings and attractions. Uh-huh. Uh, women's sexual orientation is generally assumed on the basis of his poetry, 
though this assumption has been disputed. Mm, His poetry depicts love and sexuality in a more earthy, individualistic way common in American culture before the medicalization of sexuality in the late 19th century. Earthy and... mm, mm. I mean... Wikipedia. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're going by his poetry, I get that. Oh, I mean, he literally addressed some really graphic poetry to some dudes. Whitman had like, intense friendships with many men and boys throughout oh, his screw life. You. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 back up. What? I'm sorry, finish that sentence again? Whitman had intense friendships with many men and boys th- throughout his life. No. Some biographers have suggested that he may not have actually engaged in sexual relationships with males, while others cite letters, journal entries, and other sources that they claim as proof of the sexual nature of some of his relationships. Uh, did they English address... poet and critic John Addington Simmons spent 20 years in correspondence trying to pry the answer from him. Mm. I bet he would have gotten... Oh my gosh. Are you ready? This is a quote from Simmons. I'm already sitting down, Sky. Go In your ahead, conception of comradeship, do you contemplate the possible intrusion of those semisexual emotions and actions which no doubt do occur between men? In reply, Whitman denied that his work had any such implication, asserting that the calamus part... Uh, is that what that is? Calamus? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Calamus part has even allowed the possibility of such construction as mentioned is terrible. I am fain to hope the pages themselves are not to be even mentioned for such gratuitous and quite at the time entirely undreamed and unreckoned possibility of morbid inferences where disavowed by me and seem damnable and insisting that he had fathered six <laughs> illegitimate children. I mean... He did have kids, yes. Some contemporary scholars are skeptical of the veracity of Whitman's denial or the existence of the children, he claimed. I, I've i read some things about him that, oh, well, maybe I am. Maybe, uh, yeah, I've read some things about him saying that Maybe you're a kids, modern so. critic, critic. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I am, Scott. Maybe. Oh, Oscar, uh, Oscar Wilde met Whitman in America in 1882. What? What? Oh, I wonder. Ugh. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail. <laughs> he us. told he told uh, homosexual rights activist George Cecil Ives that Whitman's sexual orientation was beyond question. "Quote: I have the kiss of Walt Whitman still on my lips." Unquote. There we go. I mean, I how can you? Mm, mm, sorry. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh. So. I am going to go to. You're gonna laugh. Uh, I'm gonna go to so. Quaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a race. It's a race to oats. Okay, I see. Race to the bottom of oh, the oat is, pile. This is so good. Of the oat bag. All right. Uh, well, I did not find out why the owl is a part of the. National Farmers something something a organization, Future Farmers of America organization, but I do know it's a five hundred one an American five hundred one c three youth organization specifically a career and technical student organization based on middle school and high school classes that promote and support agricultural education. It was founded in nineteen twenty five at Virginia Polytech Institute by agriculture teachers. They named them here Henry. 
Gross Close, which is a great name, <laughs> and Walter Newman. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Edmund Magill and Harry Sanders as the future farmers of Virginia. Only those four. It's like the it's like the Hogwarts of Virginia is what it is. I found an analysis um, of the symbols on this. Uh, says, oh, did you? Okay. You won't believe what it what it says the owl represents. Is it is it there for daylight savings time? Wisdom. Sh- sure. I mean, it knows it needs something to pull that plow, right? Because <laughs> it's that you. owl is not going to be able to do it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Like I, um, you know it's got to be done. But the FFA, the FFA was a big deal in my, in my school. Same. My high mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys ever interact in, with it? No. We always had to take your tractor to work day or right. school mm. day. Oh, yeah. You told yep. me about that. Yeah. We did. We. I feel like we're like 30 years off uh, ahead of you in, in terms of that. Like we 30 years ago, we probably had to take your tractor to work day yeah. here. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, yeah. What, what did you guys have tractors to take to work ever or we did, we did not know. Okay. No, people do their, their like riding tractors. I may have done that once. Hang I don't on. remember. Did you, do you have different tractors? Sorry, like Is their lawnmower like, tractors. Do you have like a, like a, like a show tractor? A show like tractor. one you train for, I mean, when you train for events are, like dressage. Oh, geez. You take tractors over over the you know like uh just over the hurdles like like you're uh, like a John Deere like okay sorry mm-hmm. anyway anyway uh yeah there's not much on this page which is why I'm kind of buying time a little bit try as I'm trying to read it yeah uh they say the word farmer a bunch of times none of it none of the times is it linked agriculture mentioned several times never linked. Um, I do know, however, that the uh, as as the FFA as a member-led organization F-fah. intended, to ser- yeah, F-fah. F-fah. Uh, intended to serve youth around the nation. Uh, oh, that rhymes! Uh, it elects officers from its own diverse membership to re- to certain levels of FFA. With these basic constitutional officers, a basis of parliamentary procedure is completed during meetings and banquets. Each officer during the procedures will stand and recite their office level. What is it? What it is stationed by, and why the particular position is stationed as so. The roles are: the president, stationed by the rising sun, a token of the new era in agriculture. Also, young kids, age twelve. Um, <laughs> okay. The, the president is also stationed by the plow, the symbol of labor and the tillage of the soil. The secretary is stationed by the ear of corn to keep a record of all meetings in court. Oh my gosh, they made a pun. The ear of corn. No. Mm. The treasurer is stationed by the emblem of George Washington to keep an accurate account because he can't tell a lie. Oh, oh my no. gosh. Are these just all dad jokes? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> the, the reporter is stationed by the flag which strives to inform the public in order that every man, woman, child may know that the FFA is a national organization. Okay. <laughs> just, hey guys, it's a national organization. Just so you know, I just, just want you to know that. I the really Sentinels, like the Sentinel. Yeah. Stationed by the door to ensure that the door is open to all and keep the meeting room comfortable <laughs> as well. As you are sim- maintaining order. man who man's door. You are <laughs> symbolized by a door. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the advisor that is stationed by the owl, the time-honored emblem of knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom. Oh my goodness, this is so... I did not think this was going to be so good, but it is. Serious. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, again, not a whole lot on this page for me to work with. I don't know why this is included, but they give us the outline of their official dress, what they wear. Oh, nice. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I mean, for ladies, because of course, uh, black skirts or black slacks for uh, traveling and outdoor activities, a white collared blouse, a blue scarf, a black, black dress shoes, uh, hosiery. Wow. Black nylon hosiery is standard for this. Apparently, uh, that's super sexist, uh, Male uh, male official dress clothes include black dress pants, a white dress shirt, a tie, dress shoes, and black socks. And that's, yeah, okay. Well, I'm I'm ready to be done with this page. I don't really know what to go to here, and I've been trying to find something. There's some options under career yeah, development cool. events. Under what? Career development events. Oh, I thought, oh, I thought, I was thinking of that as a list. Uh, hmm. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, it's listing events. I don't know. Well, I mean, I've always left it up to the not, to the opponent. The the thing is, is like I think with lists, it's usually like if it's like see also's. I don't oh, really yeah, count those because right. they're not really part yeah. of it. But Got lists it. are yeah. part of the, mm-hmm. the thing. Uh, okay, I do want to um, mention some notable alumni here. Yeah, please do. Uh, Johnny Cash. Yep. Rick Perry. <laughs> uh, Tim McGraw. Beyonce, what? Hold on. Taylor Swift. Uh. Uh. John Mellencamp. <laughs> Bo Jackson. Uh, uh. Sterling Marlin. Whoa. Uh, race car driver. Race car driver. Yes. Uh. Chris Soule. You should see him plowing a field, man. The that Bachelorette back there, like, come on, just go. <laughs> Chris Knowles, who's the Bachelorette contestant and the Bachelor <laughs> star. Uh, he's a past Iowa FFA member. Um, Former. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's the ones I want to list. That's amazing. Okay, so, oh, man, I guess, see, there's agronomy here. And here's the thing. Dairy foods is in here. Dairy foods. And dairy foods are often eaten at breakfast. Yeah. With waffles. With waffles. Ah, man. I really... mm, Because there's not like... There's egg mechanics. Not egg, E-G-G, but A-G. Egg mechanics are a whole different thing. You can also go Um, to horse evaluation. No, I can't. It's not a full page. Yeah, I want to. I want to, but it's a red link, which means that someone thinks it's important enough for a page, but didn't write it. Oh, I guess. Oh, quiz bowls in here too. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna click on dairy foods. All right. Dairy foods. Dairy, dairy foods. We go to the Quakers. So, where do you think the most Quakers are in the world? Pennsylvania. In grocery no. stores. Oh. No, not in Pennsylvania. Uh, in fact. Oh, can I guess? Sure. Um, is it California? No. Oh, okay. In fact, the United States as a whole 
only has about half the Quakers as the country with the most does. Oh. Is it Germany? No. Oh, okay. Is it Spain? Nope. Is it Chad? If you're going to go for the most in in Europe, you got to go to the UK. Are we just going to keep 15, doing this? What did you say? Did you say Chad? Yeah. He did, because because we don't have other guesses. You're actually Chad. pretty close. Really? What? It's what? Kenya. Oh, wow. Kenya I mean, has 146,300 Quakers as of 2012. Wow. Huh. And there's about 377,000 worldwide. So about a third of all the Quakers are in Kenya. Uh, like an old Flash cartoon that's making me, you're making me think of that Flash cartoon with the lions and tigers only in Kenya. I'm sorry. In Kenya. Sky, did you ever see this? I did. Okay, good. So at least um, it's all rushing back. <laughs> I'm not seeing. That's how old I am, Sky. <laughs> this is a this this is even bigger than Walt Whitman. This. <laughs> Quakers. This article, is bigger than Walt it's, Whitman. It's enormous. He's a big guy too. I'm trying to see. Um, you want to talk about big guys? George Fox, mm, early Quaker. So he's a big, <laughs> he's a big guy. So apparently, Kenya or it was brought to Kenya by the Cleveland Friends. Sure. They went Aww. to Mombasa and started what was the most successful Friends mission. Hmm. Christian Quakerism spread within Kenya and to Uganda, Tanzania, Burundi, and Rwanda. Okay. How Can successful. So, I mean, it's where the most are. Yep. Holy cow, that guy is huge. Um, So I, I searched for oats. There's no oats in here. There is oaths. <laughs> as in the Quakers' refusal to make oats. Oh, right. Uh, That's close. We won't, Not quite. We won't make oaths, but we will make oats. That's a good slogan, actually. That would be great, yeah. Um, but their other their causes. Um, did they eat ice see, cream? Did they there's um they make confections. Oh. Um, see here. In the past, Quakers were known for their use of the as an ordinary pronoun, refusal to participate in war, plain dress, refusal to swear oaths, opposition to slavery. And teetotalism. Some Quakers founded banks and financial institutions, including Barclays, Lloyd's, and Friends Provident. Manufacturing companies, including shoe retailer C.N.J. Clark, and the big three British confectionery makers Cadbury, Roundtree, and Fry. And philanthropic efforts, including abolition of slavery, prison reform, and social justice projects. They seem pretty neat. Yeah. I'm probably going to click on, like... One of those confections, or got some bacon down here. Not baking, not bacon. Sorry. <laughs> um, where'd it go? Uh, I I read a book a while ago um, that I thought was really good uh, about. Um, I, I the book was called Faithiest by uh, Kevin Ruse, uh, where he uh, he goes undercover at Liberty U for a while just to get a you know, the feeling on the ground of what that place is like. And it's terrifying in its way, but it's also very hopeful in that he himself is, uh, he grew up in a Quaker, uh, tradition and to hear him talk about his church background is actually really sweet. It's, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and it sounds like Quakers are very cool people, and I, I they they seem pretty neat as far as I as I'm concerned. Cool, good. Um, regarding, sorry, I'm reading a little bit more on on Quakers and slavery. Oh, good. Uh, some Quakers in North America and Great Britain became well known for their involvement in the abolition of slavery. However, prior to the American Revolution, it was fairly common for friends in British America to own slaves. Uh, during the early to mid-1700s, a disquiet about this practice arose among friends, best exemplified by the testimonies of Anthony Benizet and John Woolman, and this resulted in an abolition movement among friends. It's I know I know they're called friends, but when you say <laughs> among friends like that, yeah. It, mm-hmm. uh, by the time the American Revolution, few friends owned slaves. At the end of the war in 1783. Yarnall family members, along with fellow Meeting House friends, petitioned the Continental Congress to abolish slavery. Uh, Proceeded the 13th Amendment by nearly 80 years. Holy cow! Yep. Again, these people Uh, were of their time, too. One example of a reversal in sentiment about slavery took place in the life of Moses Brown, one of four Rhode Island brothers who, in 1764, organized and funded the tragic and fateful voyage of the slave ship named Sally. Uh, Moses Brown broke away from his three brothers, became an abolitionist, and converted to Christian Quakerism. Uh, During the 19th century, Quakers such as Levi Coffin played a major role in helping enslaved people escape through the Underground Railroad. I remember him in um, the the Freedom Board game. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Quaker Paul Cuffey, a free black sea captain and businessman, was active in the abolitionist and resettlement movement in the early part of the century. So I am going to not have anything there. I am actually going to go back to the books have been made by friends. There's a biscuit manufacturer. Oh, nice. No. Called Huntley and Palmer's. I'm going to hope that people have actually written something about these people. Huntley and Palmer's. They actually have. They actually have. Good. Nice. All right. So, uh, a dairy. You're just in dairy. Dairy. Just dairy. Just all dairy all the time. Lactose. Intense. Uh, this this page is making me sick just being on it. Uh, a dairy is a business enterprise established for the harvesting or processing, or both, of animal milk. Uh, mostly from cows or goats, but also from buffalo, sheep, horses, or camels for human consumption. A dairy is typically located on a dedicated ferret. I said dairy farm. Yeah. A dedicated meant- ferret farm? Yeah, is what? That's the word that came out of my mouth. Well, but my brain said title. dairy. <laughs> yep. The dedicated ferret farm, yes. Or, <laughs> that just sounds terrible. <laughs> or in a section of a multipurpose farm. Uh, that is concerned with the harvesting <laughs> of milk. Okay. I'm just worried about it all the dang time. <laughs> uh, terminology differing uh, differs between countries. For example, in the U.S., an entire dairy farm is commonly called, uh, quote, dairy, end quote. The building or the farm area where the milk is harvested from the cow is often called a, quote, milking parlor or parlor. parlor. The farm area where milk is stored in bulk tanks is known as the farm's milk house. Okay. Oh, it, could, it we're still going. Uh, the milk is hauled. Yeah. 
to a dairy plant, also referred to confusingly as a dairy where raw milk is further processed. Here uh, in in the citations, it says, by who? Somebody had, you have to have a name for that person. Everything has it's name. Bob. I skipped uh, ahead, and oh my gosh, what's coming up is magical. Uh, in in New Zealand, farm areas for milk harvesting are also also called milking parlors, and are historically known as milking sheds. In the United, as in the United States, sometimes milking sheds are referred to by their type, such as a herringbone shed or pit parlor. A herringbone shed. A herringbone shed is what it says. What Bad. I mean. That has to be like the the like the the planks of the wood are set up in a herringbone shape. It's got to be what that means. But why would you call it that? I don't know. Oh man. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, the farm may produce the function of the dairy plant processing their own milk and is saleable dairy products such as butter, cheese, or yogurt. The on-site processing is a traditional method of producing specialist milk products common in Europe. Um, yeah, okay, so they talk a little bit about this. In New Zealand English, the singular use of the word dairy almost exclusively refers to a corner shop or superette, oh. which is a great name for a corner shop. Yeah. So it's, a, it's just a small supermarket. Superette. Yeah. Yeah. But you would think it would just be the market <laughs> because it's a small supermarket. Yes. But instead, it's the literal, they take they take the prefix of the word and just stick a, stick a suffix onto it and make a whole new word. Uh, English is amazing, you guys. It is good. Um, I look, okay. oh, excuse me. <laughs> I looked ahead at milking machines, and there's a picture of a milking machine. I'm not looking. The at caption it. is just, <laughs> the milking machine extracts milk from all teats. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Could you have worded that a little bit better? Nope. I get what you're saying. <laughs> no, Sky, that's that's the optimal way to say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about anything in this whole process because it sounds awful. Yeah, let's, where are you going? Um, what are you doing? Oh, why did we ever decide as a, as like a species to be like, you know what? Yeah. This is this is another of those things that I'm like, how did this happen? Was this a mistake? Um although again, another book I read a while ago uh about the history of butter and I think it is just called butter. Um just wild uh <laughs> Taught, uh, stories about oh, like, how we've book. interacted. <laughs> yeah. I oh want, my I gosh. want that I want that in the book. I want butter and then colon just wild stories about (laughs) it is tim i'm not making this up it was really good uh it was yeah anyway i yeah you it's it's you you won't look at butter the same way afterward uh anyway yeah what i what i'm thinking uh they talk about a lot of different kinds of uh dairy here um but what I think I want to talk about is buttermilk because you yeah. use that for lots of different kinds of um, breakfast foods. It's true. <laughs> I mean, mostly, yeah, mostly one specific one, but it is it is waffle adjacent. Yes, waffle so I'm adjacent going to click, is yep, where you want to get. Yep, buttermilk. All right, Tim, Huntley and Palmer's. 
Huntley and Palmer's, a British firm of biscuit, biscuit makers, makers, which which are you know more like cookies to us than mm. what we think of as oh, biscuits. Right. Just, Oops. Just so we are all on the same oh, page no. here. That's fine. Oh, okay. Um, the company created <laughs> one of the world's first global brands and ran what was once the world's largest biscuit factory. Oh, dang. In 2006, Huntley and Palmer's resumed operations and was reestablished in Sudbury, Suffolk, in 2006. I like how they started and ended that sentence with, in 2006. Mm, great. In what 2017, conservators found a 106-year-old fruitcake from the company and the nope. artifacts from Cape Adair. No. The artifact is believed to have been part of the rations of Captain Robert Falcon Scott's Terra Nova expedition in 1910 and 1913. Wow. That's an incredible name, but also I'm going to reassert, reassert no. Just mm-hmm. burn it. Just do not. <laughs> so apparently this this company is, is well known for their tins. Their tins have exquisite designs on them. Oh. What? Um, there's, I'll show you one here. In fact, okay. Here's one that's made to look like a stack of plates. Whoa, that's a that's, that's a biscuit a tin? tin. Yeah, that good, huh? does in fact look like a stack of plates. Sure does. Yep. I would have been misled. Yep. I would have reached for that top plate and been like, "Oh, so, geez, why would you do there's that?" There's biscuits um, inside. Here's the thing: <laughs> in the 21st century, it came to light that one freelance artist commissioned to design biscuit tins for Huntley and Palmer's including one based on an original artwork by Kate Greenaway, had placed secret images in his designs, such as what? depictions of copulating dogs, copulating <gasps> people, and a what? man with a cannabis joint. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> there are not pictures of that on this page. <laughs> really? I mean, nope. are you sure? Have you looked at that? <laughs> oh, yeah. What's close? in that plate? What's in that stack of plates? Oh, uh, It's on the second plate down. <laughs> uh... The firm manufactured over 400 different types of biscuits over the years and innovated many new types of biscuits, including the <gasps> nice biscuit. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the source cited for those hidden hidden images in the biscuit tins is called Huntley and Palmer's Biscuit Tin Sex Secrets Revealed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that's so good. Saucy scenes in one man's revenge that took the biscuit. Oh, wow. There's another wow. one. Um, I thought you were laughing at the nice biscuit, though. That is a good, that's a good name for a biscuit, too. It's a nice biscuit. That's a nice, like, <laughs> do you think that they, like, they made the biscuit and they're like, well, what do we call it? And then someone came up and they went, like, oh, what's this? And they're like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. And they, like, looked at each other, like, done. Done. Printed. Noise. So, I mean, I, I kind of want to click on it, but... The nice biscuit? Yes. <laughs> okay. I want to know what the nice biscuit looks like. <laughs> Tim, I'm pretty sure we can... I, is it I, just I'm a okay. biscuit that says, this is a nice biscuit on it? Oh my god, Tim. What? It is. What? <laughs> <laughs> What? Oh my gosh! <laughs> it is literally a biscuit that just has the word nice stamped on it. Its main ingredients is coconut flavoring. <laughs> a nice biscuit. It's a thin, regular, rectangular shape 
with round bumps on the edges and lightly covered with a scattering of large sugar crystals on top of the word nice on top of it in sans serif capital letters. It's the 69 biscuit. Oh no. 69 cookie. Oh Wait, my god. What would you just say? What you just 69 nice. cookie? Oh my god. It is often served as an accompaniment to hot drinks. <laughs> hot drinks and a nice biscuit. <laughs> wow. Tim, I think you just won tonight. I don't think I can do better than that. I mean, that. I feel like a winner. <laughs> Um, thank you for thank you for scouting that out. <laughs> that made my night. Um, I'm going to click though. On, <laughs> um, I'm going to click on the Bisco. Okay. Because I'm going to hope that they make. I don't think they make waffles, do they? They make everything. Bisco yeah. owns everything. What don't they make? Hey, so buttermilk is a dairy drink. Uh, it's originally buttermilk was the liquid left behind after the turning, after turning butter out of cultured cream. This type of buttermilk is now, is now specifically referred to as traditional buttermilk and the fermented dairy product is known as cultured buttermilk. And I don't like either of those terms. Mm. Uh, okay. So, uh, cultured buttermilk is common in warm climates, um, where unrefrigerated fresh milk sours quickly. Um, as well in colder climates, uh, and they don't explain why that is. So just all climates, so warmer and colder climates, I guess. Sure. Uh, the fermented dairy product known as culture buttermilk is produced from cow's milk and has a characteristically intense sour taste caused by lactic acid bacteria. Gross. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it, I hear it's an acquired taste. Sure. Um, but, you know, a lot of people do just drink it. I know. I didn't know um, that. Oh, yeah. I, you can. Uh, buttermilk can be drunk straight. <laughs> it can be used in cooking. So says Wikipedia. Um, but it does have a sour taste to it. Gotcha. Uh, soda bread is a bread that, that it, in which the acid in buttermilk reacts with the rising agent, sodium bicarbonate, to produce that carbon dioxide, which acts as the leavening agent. Um, it's also used in marination, especially of chicken and pork, whereby the lactic acid helps tenderize, retain moisture, Ooh. and allows added flavors to permeate throughout the meat. I did not know that. I didn't know that's why Buttery chicken. Yeah. Huh. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I've done... Uh, I One of the... I've only made pork chops a couple times in my life because uh, I'm a bad cook. Um, but it... Um, one of the times was a marination uh, with, uh, with a buttermilk, and I did not know why. I... It was really good, though. Good. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, buttermilk is used in a bunch of stuff. I was really hoping they would talk about um, waffles. I, I, I was hoping beyond hope that there was a way to make uh, buttermilk waffles. You probably can. Uh, but here they talk about um, buttermilk pancakes. And I have the choice of either pancake mixes or buttermilk pancakes. Oh man! And they're basically the same thing, but one of these is going to get me to like the food directly, and one of them is going to be like the process of making the food. And you could possibly make the waffles. Out. Mm. I'm gonna click pancake mix. 
All right. Yeah, it just such takes a, me a pancake. Okay. Such a hard choice. All right, fine. Just do I take the do I take the thing that's close to what I need or the thing that's close to what I need? Oh no. <laughs> Indeed. I'm at Nabisco. Nabisco. Ah. <sighs> so um Oh. Under legal battles. I did not realize that this was an abbreviation. What? For what? National Biscuit Company. Yep. You're serious. Yeah. That's absolutely what it means. I wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned something tonight. So I and just not wanna, just about nice biscuits. I want to tell the the sordid story of a legal battle. Oh, oh man. In nineteen ninety seven, the National Advertising Division of the Council of Better Business Bureaus. So the the NADCOB. The NABCOB. NADCOB. <laughs> became concerned <laughs> with an ad campaign for Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. The initial commercial featured a man and monkey deserted on an island. They discover a crate of Planters Peanuts and rejoice in the Peanuts' positive health facts. What? Nabisco made a detailed statement describing how their peanuts were healthier than most other snack products, going as far as comparing the nutritional facts of Planters Peanuts to those of potato chips, cheddar cheese chips, and popcorn. Technically, the commercials compiled with United States Food and Drug Administration regulations. Oh, I'm sorry, complied, not compiled. And they were allowed to continue. However, as requested by the National Advertising Division, Nabisco agreed to make fat content disclosure more conspicuous in future commercials. The company's A1 steak sauce was also the subject of a legal battle against a venue called Arnie's Deli in 1991. The delicatessen was selling and using a homemade sauce called A2 sauce. A2, A2 Brute. Wow. Good. You got there, too. Thank you. The verdict favored Nabisco. Uh, so, they make a lot of stuff. Um, none of it is waffles. Aw. But, I mean, there are things called corn diggers, doodads, heyday cookie bars, malamars, uh, orchard crisps, Ooh. sports with a Z. Sensations, Zuzu Ginger Snaps, which sounds like the name of something, but I can't figure out what yet. <laughs> um, so let's see here. Uh, Triscuits, Butterfingers, Planters Nuts, Lifesavers, a whole bunch of stuff. Bubble Yum. What? I used to chew that all the time. Me too. Um, in 1985, Nabisco was bought by R.J. Reynolds. Because they make, what, cigarettes? Pills, triscuits, and cigarettes. Okay, so I'm not really finding a whole lot on here, to be honest. So, animal crackers. Did you see that? The the box for animal crackers now? Yeah. Yes. Free range. Yep, free range. range. Uncaged. Unleashed. (laughs) Um, In 1924, the National Biscuit Company introduced a snack in a sealed packet called the Peanut Sandwich Packet. Good Mm. name in there. They soon added a second, the Sorbetto Sandwich Packet. These allowed salesmen to sell to soda fountains, road stands, milk bars, lunch rooms, and newsstands. Sales increased, and in 1928, the company started to use the name NAB. The term NABs today is used to generically mean any type of snack crackers. What? Most commonly in the southern U.S., apparently. What? I've never heard it, but I don't live in the south. That's... Awesome. Uh, Okay, sorry. I'm going to click on um, lunchrooms. Lunchrooms. 
I mean, no, because because wait a minute, no waffles are a breakfast food. Maybe a milk bar. What is a milk bar? I'm but gonna find out. Let's find out. Milk bar. So pancakes, a pancake or hot cake or griddle cake or flapjack is a flat cake, often thin and round, prepared from a starch-based batter that may contain eggs, milk, and butter, and cooked on a hot surface such as a griddle or frying pan, often fried with oil or butter. Archaeological evidence suggests that pancakes were probably the earliest and most widespread food cereal food eaten in prehistoric societies. Hey guys, so we go to prehistoric societies cited in the very first paragraph of this site of this page, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to scroll down just 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 for a second. Just go all the way down to the history section. Guess what? The ancient Greeks oh, made pancakes. Good. Did they? <clears throat> Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, they were the ones. Well, it was they them. Exist, so they made the pancakes. Yeah, no one else did. Even though it was the most widespread food cereal food made by prehistoric man, it was the ancient Greeks that did it. Just so you guys know, Wikipedia really, really wants you to know that the ancient Greeks or Romans were responsible for everything. everything. Well, it is the so, first sentence in history. Yeah. Uh, the ancient Greeks made pancakes. The early attested references to this word, uh, tangenias, sure, sure. Mm. Uh, are in the works of 5th century BC poets Cratinus and Magnes. Uh, these were made of wheat flour, olive oil, honey, and curdled milk and were served for breakfast. This is cited three times because someone on Wikipedia got a bee in their bonnet about this and really wanted us to know. Oh, yeah. No, seriously, guys, they did. And then a sentence later, it is cited again. And then a a half a sentence later, again. And at the end of that sentence, three more times. And then the next sentence, two more times. Uh, The following paragraph is just the ancient Romans called their fried concoctions alea dulcia, Latin for other sweets. These were much different from what are known as pancakes today. Hey, why is that on this page then? I mm, that's a good point. Uh, I want to point out that I noticed that uh, hey Sky, if you want to look this up while I'm reading a little bit here, this article is semi-protected until eight, December 18th, 2018, due to vandalism. Whoa, vandalism! Someone's and doing it sounds terrible to me, things to pancakes. <laughs> it sounds to me like someone's having some fights about what pancakes are. Oh man, it okay. Fine, I'm gonna just I'll stipulate that that this that any of this dumb stuff about the ancient Greeks being the first to make pancakes is accurate, quote unquote. Oh, but hey, here's all of the ones made by the rest of the world, because uh, they have a bunch of versions in Africa, in South Africa, Uganda, and uh, in Kenya. And hey, over in Asia, they have ones, uh, multiple ones made in India. They have seven versions made in India, uh, plus the Chinese ones here. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Indonesia, uh, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, and Singapore, Nepal, Pakistan, the Philippines, and Vietnam all get pullouts about the kinds of pancakes they make. But no, it's the it's the Romans and Greeks that get top billing. Sure. I have strong feelings about this. Anyway, all of that doesn't matter because pancakes are great and you should eat some. But also, um, pancakes are uh, may be served at any time of the day. 
with a variety of toppings or fillings, including jam, fruit, syrup, chocolate chips, or meat. Not together is what this Wikipedia page is saying. None of those things together. But in America, they're typically considered a breakfast food. And I would I would insert says who. Says who? Um, <laughs> get out of my... Don't tell me when to eat my food, Wikipedia. Pancakes serve a similar function to waffles. And it's linked. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. I just want to. I, I just want to sit on the, the the line here that pancakes serve a similar function to waffles. It's. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But in society, yes, serve similar functions. Okay, so we there's vandalism all over this page. Oh, good. This is the type of vandalism that I found. They changed pancake, like, in, like, what this is actually, like, the, underneath, like, the main picture, to just say, pancakes taste very good, and they are healthy for you. And then someone changed the ancient Greeks. Sounds like coming from Nabisco. The ancient Greeks Mm. made pancakes called blah, 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 the Tangandanites, or whatever they are. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just changed it to, the ancient Greeks made pancakes called discs. (laughs) I mean... Sure. And someone Probably also added... still accurate. Yes, they added a sentence in the middle of explaining what a pancake is. They are sometimes considered as the best food in the entire world. Wow. That's the type of vandalism that's happening here. I mean, guys, if you could just cite that last one, you could probably get away with that. Probably get away with it, yeah. Someone said this. Pancakes were first invented, made in 2015. Good. Yeah. Okay, well, I stand corrected, but I still, I still pull issue with or have issues with this page this page this article has issues according to kyle <laughs> and i'm clicking waffles waffles good job whoa hang on a second the waffle page oh my gosh the image for pancake in the image for waffle is nearly the same image yep mm-hmm. that's amazing that's because they're almost the same thing i mean well don't tell <sighs> wikipedia that no. Jeez. Man, though, I could just destroy a waffle right now. This is your own fault. You did this to yourself. I know. I need a waffle maker. If I'm going to get anywhere in life. <laughs> uh, That's what I'm lacking. Tim, milk bar. <laughs> uh, so a milk bar is a suburban local general store cafe. Um, similar terms are tuck shops, delicatessens, or delis, corner shops, corner stores, things like that. Yeah. You're traditionally a place where people pick up newspapers and fast food items like fish and chips and hamburgers. And where people can purchase milkshakes or lollies. Which I'm guessing is like, you know, popsicles, baseball bars, things like that. Yeah, makes sense. By the late 1940s, milk bars had evolved to not only sell groceries, but also be places where young people could buy ready-made food and non-alcoholic drinks. They evolved? And could socialize. Milk Whoa, bar. What? Listen to this. Milk bars often used to include jukeboxes and pinball machines. Parentheses later upgraded to video games. <laughs> oh, oh. Whoa. With tables pinball, and chairs. Pinball machines are involving. <laughs> with tables <laughs> dun, and chairs dun, to dun, encourage dun. patrons to linger and spend more money. More money, please. Oh, don't go yet. Have you tried our chair? <laughs> <laughs> Have you sat for a while? Hey, you rested your lolly on our table. Milk. You shouldn't. It's going to melt all over it. Sorry. The milk bar as a social venue was gradually replaced by fast food, fast food franchises and shopping malls. 
oh, you just like that fat stuff? Well, here. Let's <laughs> make a whole place of it. I mean, so all they did was take the fat and they put it on other fat foods. That's that's what they did. That's what, they did. That's what it, yeah, okay. That's pretty much it. Yep, that's all I have. Yep. Congratulations. Good job, Kyle. Thank you. So waffles. Uh I just want to read these first couple sentences because they're good. Um, a waffle is a dish made from leavened batter or dough that is cooked between two plates that are patterned to give it a characteristic size, shape, and surface impression. Uh, and it, it specifies that there are many variations based on the type of waffle or waffle iron and recipe used. And I guess that's what makes them separate. Like, I'm not finding a good read as to what makes a Belgian waffle a Belgian waffle. Hmm. It sounds, and I hate to say this, like it's just the waffle iron. <laughs> it might be. Uh, uh, here's the, uh, there's a, there in the caption for one of these here, the quote Belgian waffle is popular in North America, which is a very European thing to say about North America. <laughs> I always thought they were like very, like they had very big divots. It, it, okay. So here's what it says. Yeah. Belgium, Belgian waffles are a North American waffle variety based on a simplified version of the Brussels waffle, which I don't see here. Recipes are typically baking soda leavened, though some are yeast, yeast raised. They are distinguished from the standard American waffle okay. by their use of one and one half inch depth irons. Oh. That's it. Uh, Belgian waffles take their name from an oronym which is a word i don't know but i want to know now of the bell gem brand no no that's not mm. there's no way that's true which was an authentic brussels waffle vendor that helped popularize the thicker style that the 1964 mm, world's fair that can't be true all right hang on a second i gotta look at this um this hang is cited to the new york times not long ago, says this article, a fair, a law in the Urban Walker, I wrote that the New York's last World, World's Fair in 1964-65 paled in comparison to the, to the 1939 version, but at least it did expose Michelangelo's Pieta to millions and popularized the Belgian waffle. He's quoting that from a book called The End of Innocence, the 1964-65 New York World's Fair published hmm hmm this really feels like revisionist uh, yeah. this feels like someone found something fun and was like oh this would be funny if this it's possible all right i'll i'll roll with it fine go ahead, just roll with it It'll yeah fine <laughs> but yeah it looks like it's just the it's just the iron that's interesting that's all that, that that's all that makes it a, a a Belgian waffle. Hmm. So if you want to make a Belgian waffle, just stick your fingers in it, I guess, or like spread, like make it deeper, like make that. Deeper. If you have a normal waffle, Which, to just be honest, mess it up. Is what I need <laughs> when I yeah. want a waffle. I just yeah. want them deep pools of syrup. <laughs> Those crannies. The syrup is so mm -hmm. good. Man, I mean. Sky, are you? Do you want a waffle, or are you just? Do you just want syrup? Because it sounds like you just want syrup. I have a deep, dark secret. You just want a vessel for syrup. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I have a deep, dark secret. 
Uh-huh. Are you eating waffles now? Is that what your secret condiments is? Condiments are sometimes my favorite parts of food. Oh my gosh. Oh no, that's hey. that's perfectly acceptable. Like <laughs> Like when I have a burger, it's like for a while we were getting these big like thick pub burgers. Uh-huh. And I wasn't just I wasn't enjoying them very much. I'm like, why am I not liking these as much? I'm like, it's because of the meat to condiment ratio. And I got my thinner <laughs> burgers. And I'm like, yes, this is how I like it. I want to taste that ketchup. I want to taste that mustard. Mm-hmm. Like amazing. Like chicken wings for me, they gotta be just dunked in sauce. Like yeah. If there's not a lot of sauce in them, I'm not gonna like them as much. Same I with don't... like chicken nuggies. Like gotta nuggies. get all the barbecue sauce all in there. Then how do you taste the thing? Like I don't want to. I don't want to fight with you guys because I love you both and all that. But like, that's my secret, I'm... Kyle. <laughs> I'm firmly on the other side of this divide. <laughs> I don't want to taste the thing. I want to taste the condiments. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and again, this is a deep, dark secret. Like, I'm ashamed of this, but it's just how I am. Oh, no. It's like whenever somebody is I like, mean, oh, ketchup. It's like, I put ketchup on like your your hot dog. And I'm like, how do you, how do you not? What are you talking about? Ketchup's delicious. <laughs> so okay. Good. Before we leave all of this, though, I don't know what's going on in this image, but I have to share it with you guys. Uh, I was just glancing through this page again, and it says detail from Pieter's Brugel, Pieter Brugel's uh, German name, uh, uh, which is among it's a painting, which is among the first known images of waffles. Oh, no. And there appears to be for our listeners, there appears to be two men, quote unquote, yes. gambling mm over a a waffle print like one small well i guess it it looks like it's about the length of their of two of their hands of waffle brick and one of the men people things Demons. has wa- waffles attached to his ears mm-hmm. and on the back of his head as though he's wearing like like a deer stalker but the flaps are all waffles that's I I'm really confused. Me too. But it says it's among the first known images of waffles and I I don't think it is, guy. <laughs> I think there's a different thing going on here. They just have a waffle pattern. Anyway, you should look this up. It's it's pretty great. It's weird. I don't I was trying to look it up, but I have no idea how to find this i mean he's I would wearing just, waffles on his head he's wearing some waffles the like Carvel, you do yeah like yes like that oh well it man. is like this is just a part of a larger a larger yeah yeah this is a detail people are a having a lot of fun in this picture do any of the rest of them have waffles on their yes head? actually whoa there's what? a woman with a table on her head that has waffles and bread on it so, yes, Kyle, there are other people with waffles on their heads. I mean, I walked into that, but, I, it, but I'm but i pleased by the result. It's a wild image. Man. Oh, wow. Well, good. I'm glad that we have a weird world of waffles to work with. For sure. WWW. If you want a weird <laughs> world do. of WSKB podcasts, you can go to WSKBcast.com. <laughs> WSKB <laughs> cast.blogspot.com 
you can find our other episodes. But why do that when you can just go to your favorite podcast app and search We Should Know Better and then just subscribe there and you'll get all the episodes that you want. They're all there. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We're also on Twitter. We have a Facebook, but I haven't updated that in, like, years. Mm. So, yeah, that's about it. Thanks for <laughs> thanks thanks for doing this, guys. All I'm... <laughs> I'm a little sad Scotty, that I don't have a waffle maker. I, I was going to say, are you just are you just thinking about waffles now? Is that why there was that loud that long silence Kyle, there? I'm about thirty percent at just going and making pancakes right now because I have you better have for got that. to be kidding, uh, Scott. I'm not even that hungry. Waffle you you have a child. You can't. He's sleeping. <laughs> got that? Got that powerful pancake longing? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you have to be a responsible parent. No waffles. This is there. responsible. <laughs> He's got to make pancakes to be happy. Oh, this no. is putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you help your kid, Kyle. <laughs> That's fair. Don't eat, don't eat the pancakes at 9.30 at night. Think of your child. <laughs> I'm just saying you're going to be up all night at, like full of pancakes. Man, if somebody told me when I was at, before I had a kid that I couldn't have pancakes at 9.30 at night... <laughs> I don't know what I'm do. Uh, so wait. <laughs> okay, first let's just sign off. Have a good night, everyone. Yeah. Good Bye. night. Bye. <laughs>Okay, hey guys, welcome back. It's the stinger. <laughs> guys, <laughs> did you see this? Did you see this image of this waffle? It's, it's a plain waffle sold at the neighborhood store in Singapore. Just your ordinary waffle that is just green. It's a green waffle. What? It's, but it's fine. It's plain. It's normal. Sky. Oh. The file name. Yes. The says, file name. Yes. Is media <laughs> nice slash waffle. File, nice <laughs> underscore waffle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. Oh, is it sarcasm? So I don't know. No, I mean, because there's, it's... I mean, nice isn't printed anywhere on it. No. Look, no. I, I mean, think they just think that's could... a good waffle, man. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. They're they are judging the waffle and finding it to be pretty nice. I mean, they just say no. plain waffle. Yeah. It's been I up mean, since it, 2013. Oh my gosh! Oh, it was someone's own own photo. They were at a place. Honestly, in, this looks like a post. Did you read the caption? There's a caption. Waffle. I was just gonna say. There's a caption. Good for the tummy. Common in Singapore. Good for the tummy. Oh my gosh. Oh man. I. Uh, this is this is all I ever wanted in in breakfast foods. See, it's the best breakfast food. What's your favorite breakfast food? Is it mine yeah uh french toast i, french I mean toast that, that's good. the that's the bar by which i judge all uh breakfast restaurants that i go to yeah because i don't know if you've noticed this about me you whenever we go to a breakfast food place i get french toast yes my dad used to make french toast Maybe oh yeah well. oh no very good french toast is also my favorite we used to do it with um like a touch of vanilla and like a little bit of like um orange peel Oh, nice. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Yeah. I think, like, if it was, like, all the breakfast foods were obliterated and only one survived, what is it going to be? <laughs> I think it's probably... <laughs>
Mm. If cereal counts, I guess it would probably be cereal because I just eat so much of it. It's so easy. Yeah. But I guess Sky, it would be French toast. How how much how much cereal do you eat? Like maybe like a one every other day. One one oh, cereal. Oh, okay. One cereal. One cereal. I was concerned because I was like, is he eating it for like multiple meals of the day? Like, what's... No, it's just if I am going to have breakfast, it's usually what I have because it's easy. Okay. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I. You know what I never have for breakfast? French toast. Waffles. <laughs> waffles. I don't have a waffle maker. Why am I not making French toast tonight? Why am I, not, why am I making pancakes like a fool? <laughs> I mean... I'm not judging your what what you're doing, Sky. You do what you need to do. Is there are there pancake? Is there? There's got to be French toast pancakes. I mean, okay, if you have milk and eggs and flour, you have pancakes. Do you just take like you make I it mean, for like bread? Like you make, you just take a pancake instead of bread, and you make you make <laughs> it makes French toast pancakes. I I sort of <laughs> kind of. You take you take bread and you try to you try to cook an omelet on it and you miss and that's French toast. Yo, guys, hmm. are you gonna cooking make some blogs? French toast? No, cooking blogs are the what? You're just the most bonkers. Are you aware? Oh, no. Do you guys ever like look up recipes? Like just Google a recipe for like, uh, yeah, I'm frying chicken. I just need like a fried chicken recipe. Like the most basic stuff. I stopped stuff. doing that. And you yeah, Google I stopped it, doing and that. it's like, welcome to Franny's food and stuffs, and it's like. I love French. I love fried chicken. When I was, you know, four years old, and it's just like paragraphs and like these very, like, these very artistic photos of the food, and just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And then there's at the end, there's like a recipe. Yes. Well, that's what I just found for, for French toast pancakes. I've expressed it, my love for pancakes many times on this site. It runs deep like a firstborn. I never Whoa. want to be without what? them, and they feel the same about me. Uh, hey, Fran- Franny, I, mm, I'm not sure about so that. So when Fran- a book, more like a Christmas present, comes along that nourishes my love for pancakes and all that they stand for in the most delicious ways, I must celebrate it to the depths of my core. Whoa. That present is Stack Happy by Carl Camwell. <laughs> 70 <laughs> flipping delicious pan- flapjack recipes. Does it say flipping? Yes. Good. Thank you. Good. I'm Car- glad they committed. Oh, it's Carly, not Carl. Carly's blog, Buns in My Oven, have always supplied no. me with fantastic Mm-mm. goodies to gawk at. Mm-mm. Yep. And we just took a turn. <laughs> the name French Toast Pancakes totally intrigued me. I couldn't wrap my he- mind around it. How do you merge the two? Well, Carly def- definitely figured wow. out how. I took like two sets. You, make- you just make pancakes and you covered them in the French toast. <laughs> what (laughs) oh my gosh